0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Maxwell bends that back and runs away and then kicks to half forward. Didac in a one-on-one. And then Lee Brown bursting forward. And then with a ball
0: burst at a full forward. It bounced a long way. Oh, he's a magician.
2: That's not the Lee Brown we used to know, is it?
1: Oh, wow. What a snippet, hey? Now, we could play around about two and a half hours of those sorts of highlights of this particular bloke, but we decided just on 30 seconds uh, of one of the most exciting times in football as we introduce our first guest for this morning on Saturdays in Gippsland in Lee Brown. Hey, Brownie, how are you going? Good morning, guys.
0: I'm not sure there's two and a half hours worth. Uh, there might be two and a half minutes worth, but uh, no, it's certainly a highlight that gets brought up a lot, that one. And um, yeah, I think at that point of the game, Darren Milburn said to me,
2: I think it might be your night tonight. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, I was, I'm a Collingwood fan, Rob, as you know, and yep. cutting up that audio last night, I couldn't wipe, the f- uh, couldn't wipe the smile off my face, and Lee's exactly right. When that one bounced through in the 2010 prelim,
1: I knew it was our night. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how you can go back over a decade now, and there's a particular snippet of audio that, that can still give you goosebumps, it did. you know, and, and that's to do with the play and that's to do with the core. but it's fantastic. In fact, your Brownie, your name got brought up on the weekend. I was out having a couple of drinks for my wife's birthday, caught up with Rick Galea and Rick's a big fan of yours and, you know, I'm not sure that that's a good thing or a bad thing for you, <laughs> but he's a terrific bloke and he's got the utmost respect for you and uh, he, he made the point uh, that y- your career has been un- unbelievably, and, and it snuck up on me too when I read read your facts and figures this morning, but you'd reflect back now and be pretty satisfied with everything you did.
0: Yeah, yeah, I am satisfied. I you know, gave everything I had and, um, you know, in in the end, I probably played my best footy in the last two or three years at, at Collingwood and, and I put that down to probably being a bit more settled in um, in my position and my role and a greater understanding of, of what I was um, expected to do out on the field. But, you know, to, to play for, for 12 years and, and nearly get 250 games and, yeah, you know, I, I got traded. I got delisted. Um, I retired on my own terms in the end, and um, yeah, I think I've I've gone through every every range of emotion with uh, with a footy club in terms of being at that top level, and and Touchwood, I, I got through with with limited injuries and those sorts of things as well. So, um, yeah, to finish with the Pies, and you know, it would have been nice to to go out back to back premiers, but th- that wasn't the case, and it was a nice way to finish anyway.
2: Just going back a few years before that grand final win with the Pies, Lee, you grew up in Hayfield, I believe, and obviously played for Gippsland Power. Did you did you have contact with Frio before the 1999 draft? And how daunting was it to have to quickly pack up and, and jet off to the other side of the country as an 18-year-old?
0: Well, I was 17, so that, that made it 17. a little bit, uh, a, yeah, a little bit younger. So um, yeah, yeah, I just I was I just know my. Um, year 12 English exam on the Friday. And this was when you know the, the draft was in the middle of um, year 12 exam. So I, I got through that, had the draft on the, on the Sunday and you know, finished the rest of my exams and, and flew out. So um, I had had contact with Fremantle. I, I was pretty confident I was going to go in that top 10 uh, from the conversations that I'd had. I always knew that if I wanted to play FL footy, I was going to have to move away from home anyway. So whether that was Melbourne, you know, Adelaide, Brisbane, Sydney or Perth, it, it didn't really matter. So I um, ended up going to Fremantle, which was fantastic, and I you know, had a really young group, and you know, we, we didn't have a lot of success early, but I'd say we, we started to set up a, a culture um, that's you know, held them in good stead um, over the years, and you know, guys like Matty Pavlich and Dave Mundy and those sorts of guys have, have really grabbed that and, and taken it forward, but you know, I'd like to think that you know, from those early days, some of us
1: younger guys helped turn that around yeah no question it's it's interesting you say as a 17 year old you were ready and willing and able to 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 travel to the other side of the country I think probably 10 or 20 years before that players were very apprehensive about making a move outside of their state but I guess as we become more accustomed to what to expect players are are more comfortable and your example is a good good one of that Lee yeah it is and you know you
0: you come from a country town and Um, you know, going to Fremantle was probably nearly the best option because you're not going to Melbourne, the big smoke where it's hustle and bustle and, you know, there's 10 teams and all those sorts of things. And, you know, it's very busy. Fremantle is very much similar to Geelong. It's a, it's a big country town and, you know, to be able to settle in, you know, I lived with a host family for a couple of years and and they were fantastic to me. And, um, you know, it was, the transition was, was quite easy. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you sit back now and you know you hear some of the stories of the, the players coming through, and they don't want to go interstate and all those sorts of things. Well, that's the decision that you, you make by entering, you know, putting your name in the draft and and yeah. putting yourself in, in, in that um, in that element. So um, it, it was an easy decision for me. I wanted to play AFL footy. You know, I didn't didn't mind where I went to do it, and you know, Fremantle was my first
2: opportunity. And just sticking with Frio before we get onto what what else you achieved, Lee, what, you were named best clubman at the Dockers in 2001, so clearly you were having an impact on the group over there. What, what were the reasons behind your departure, mate?
0: Uh, I, I just got traded, so I was actually away on a holiday and um, I got a call. My, my manager at the time was Ricky Nixon so, uh, from Flying Start, so I had a call from... From Ricky, I think it might have been, let's say it was a Friday and they said um, you know, your, your name's been tossed around but you're, you know, you're not going to get traded at this point. Um, I, I just, I was one year into a, a new three year deal so um, I'd bought a house and all those sorts of things so I was settled and I didn't want to go anywhere but uh, by the Monday he called and said the deal's done uh, you just need to agree to it so um, yeah Chris Conley came in and you know, his first year was, was my last year and you know, he had a, a direction that he wanted to go in and um, he saw some plays that he wanted to get back and they obviously got pick 13 and, and Byron Shammer who played some really good footy for free hours as well so um, yeah that's how I ended up at North Melbourne it wasn't what, through choice it was through the club um, thinking that was best and um, after talking to uh, the North Melbourne guys and, and the Fremantle guys it was clear that I was probably going to get more opportunity at North Melbourne so in the end the, the decision to say yes was, was a pretty
1: simple one. Well, you got back into the Hayfield Colours, I guess that's one plus, but you you got there and they've they've always been a club that have been respected for their fight, their grit, their determination, even if they've sort of just uh, struggled to be around about, you know, midway most times. How did you find your time there and what did you learn from your time there?
0: Uh, I I learned about um, how a group can be really strong and and what it can achieve by sticking together and whether that's backs against the wall, whether that's a lack of facilities at the time um, yeah. you know, a lack of resources so um, I saw guys like Glenn Archer and Anthony Stevens and, and Adam Simpson um, you know, Lee Colbert was outstanding Sav Rocker, Brady Rawlings, these sorts of guys wow. who, you know, pick, picked up the club and said, jump on our backs doesn't matter what's going on You know, we're going to gonna work hard during the week um, you know, we enjoyed each other's company off the field you know, by lunches and dinners and you know, having a beer from time to time when the time was right and those sorts of things. So uh, I think it was a close near to that group. You know, we'd go on footy trips and we'd have 40-plus people, you know, going away at the end of the year mm-hmm. together. So I think that sums up the,
2: the tightness of the group. And and when you were delisted by the ruse at the 2008 season, did did you think your AFL career was over or, or were you confident you'd get a chance somewhere else?
0: I wasn't confident, to be honest. Um, I, I hoped... Um, I'd played the most VFL footy I'd played that year. Um, I played a fair bit at Werribee and, you know, probably found a, a bit of a spark again in, in my footy. I was probably a little bit flat, you know, leading into that um, 2008 season. And um, once again, I was on a holiday, so you'd think I'd stop going on holiday <laughs> at the end of the season. But, um, yeah, I got the call and they said, you can stay away a little bit longer if you want. You, you know, no reason to come back. We're not going to reach the contract, so... Um, yeah, the relationship I had with Jeff Walsh, who was at um, North Melbourne in my early time there. Um, he, he'd obviously gone across to Collingwood. Um, I'd, and uh, looking back on it now and having some conversations with you know, some of the Collingwood coaches after the fact, there was a game out at Werribee where I played pretty well, to be honest. I, I kicked five <laughs> and, uh, you know, I played on a couple of players that the Collingwood guys, Jack Anthony, and uh, they're looking really closely at Chris Pendlebury at that stage too. So I managed to kick some goals on them and I'm looking at them closely and that allowed them to be looking at me ironically. And you know, I walked into Collingwood on you know, that, that first to that first meeting and Mick was in a room and they put me in front of a board and said, here's our age profile. Here's our, um, games profile and height profile. And what do you see? And I said, there's a gap exactly where I would fit. And yeah. said, you've got two weeks to, to train, um, and go from there and we'll make a decision. And ironically, they flew out to Arizona two days later and I stayed back with the rehab group and (laughs) and trained my backside off. And and to this day, I I think, you know, take games and training all into account. I had my best 20 minutes ever in that last training session at Collingwood. And and not many people can say they did pretty well against Simon Preston Giacomo. And I had a 20-minute period where everything just went right. And I, I think, you know, looking back, Uh, that 20 minutes might have just got me
1: across the line. You know, it's interesting. I heard David King during the week talk about uh, Sam Walsh. uh, And he made the point that he went to watch him at training and he's training like his life depends on it. We're six weeks out from the season. And I, I reckon it's those things that possibly go unnoticed. You know, we all see players play on a Saturday afternoon and we rate them on what they do then. But the real hard work is done at other times. And like you said, that game in Werribee where you could have been forgiven for, you know, maybe not feeling as though it was as important as it should be, but it turned out to be a turning point. And I reckon it's a lesson for all young players to feel as though you're being watched at all times because you never know what moment might determine your future.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, as I've said to a lot of young kids coming through, you know, after my career as a coach, that, you know, what are you doing when nobody's watching? That that's uh, the 100%. Time. Um, how hard are you working? are you cutting the corner or, or what are you doing? But you know, I was fortunate enough to have spent some time with a guy like Sam Walsh and you know, he's just an outstanding individual on and off the track and he worked his backside off and you know him and uh, Ned McHenry from, from Adelaide, they're two of the hardest trainers you've ever seen.
2: And how do you look back on, on the group at Collingwood that we were just speaking about and, and the grand final win with it, it being a stranger one with the draw the week before Brownie?
0: Yeah, it was strange. Um, I, I look back and think it was a group that matured, you know, over probably that 18 months leading into that grand final. Um, it was a group that had really good balance. I felt, um, you know, there was you know, obviously the Rat Pack that enjoyed themselves off the field <laughs> and had a reputation, but you know, you talk about training hard, uh, they would belt themselves training and you know get the absolute best out of themselves, and you know it was a credit to them. And you know, those guys that you know did. Like and Lockyer, he'd be at the club at 7 o'clock in the morning and he wouldn't leave till 6 o'clock at night. So there was a really good balance. So you could, you know, whichever way you were feeling that day or whatever you wanted to do, there was something there for everybody. And I felt it was really inclusive Um, and they trained hard. And, you know, the the difference between a North Melbourne and a a Collingwood was you you walk in and it's like going from, you know, the the Morwell Hotel to, you know, the Taj Mahal, like it was, <laughs> it was unbelievable what we walked into. Like altitude rooms, massive gym, you know, all the staff and, and players are all under one roof, so it was a, a real
2: club feel. And um, yeah, that expectation was there because of you know what it's stood for. And you made the decision to retire at the, at the end of twenty eleven. Do, do you look back and think that the time was right, or was there another year left there, maybe? Uh no, I look back and say
0: absolutely the time was right. Um, it was good to go out of my turn. Um, you know, I probably hoped a little bit that the fairy tale would be there that we could go back to back. And you know, Mark Stevens, Dave Wojcicki, and Lee Brown all from Hayfield can have two premierships each, but um, that wasn't the case. And Wojo's got three, and you know, I've got one. But um, no, was, the time was right. My body was. You know, there was a few little signs that you now I was getting towards that 30-year-old mark. And, yeah, you know, I wasn't wanting to to do the the one percenters as as often as I should do, and um, in the end, I thought if I, I went through another year of you know not doing that ice bath or not doing that recovery session properly, or and you know, not doing everything to the absolute nth degree, then then I would drop away individually. And um, yeah, I, I thought it was time to leave. And yeah, there's some opportunities you know for that next phase of of my life in coaching that. We're presenting and I just felt it was a good time and I don't have any regrets at all.
1: You know, you mentioned uh, when you spoke to Collingwood, they, 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 they put on a whiteboard about an age profile, a height profile, and and, and, and you're, you're able to fill a little gap. Uh, there are so many connotations required to complete a successful football team, and then you take a role at coaching and try to implement that into a side what you've learned. How did you find that, that transition from playing to coaching? Because not everyone... Not everyone sort of gets it first off. It sometimes takes a little bit of failure to, to get some success as a coach.
0: Yeah, it does. And, and I was fortunate enough to um, spend some time at Calder Cannons while I was playing. Um, and, and, you know, as a development coach, as my schedule allowed it, and you know, as much of a pain as it was to drive up to Craigieburn once or twice a week, um, you know, in winter and all those sorts of things, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, they yeah. were great to me and... Gave me the first opportunity of that. Um, a guy called Anton Graback who who's done a lot for um, Vic Metro over the years, he gave me an opportunity to coach the, the Vic Metro under-17 side. I think they had four training sessions and um, one or two games at, at that point. And, you know, there was times where I couldn't get to the pre-match because, um, you know, of, of my commitment to Collingwood. But he said, just get here when you get here. So he gave me that opportunity as well. So... Um, and then I'd spent a fair bit of time with Mark Neild, obviously, and um, David Whedon was, was great with a uh, uh, next coach program, which uh, a lot of the guys have been through now. So I felt I was ready. So jumping into that assistant coach was a, a big step. That um, I'd seen what Neild did at, at Collingwood, and you know, obviously he went on to Melbourne, and you know, it wasn't a great success, but we learned a hell of a lot, and um, that allowed me to become my own head coach when I came back to Gippsland
2: Now, Leigh, we've got plenty of more questions to ask you about your your time coaching at Gippie Power and and what you're up to now, but we've run out of time, sorry. But just quickly before you let you go, how do you think the Pies will perform this year and how do you think they'll track under Craig McRae?
1: This is a personal question, of course, from a mad Collingwood supporter.
0: We've probably dropped
1: off air. I'm I'm looking through the running sheet and there's nothing there about this question at all. (laughs)
0: I think they'll be okay. Craig McRae's a fantastic operator. Um, he's very good with building relationships. His development stuff's really good. Um, you know, if they can keep their good players on the park, and by all reports, you know, to go he's come back after all his um, issues over the off-season, fit and firing. Brody Grundy's having his best preseason. Um, Pendles will be Pendles. There's no doubt about that. So, yeah, I think they're going to be around the mark. I think you know they can be knocking on the eight, but building over the next couple of years. But I, I think Craig McRae is a, a fantastic
1: appointment. Fantastic. We look forward to uh, seeing what comes of the Magpies, no question, and look forward to following your career as well and maybe a pass will cross again during the course of this year, Bernie. Uh, appreciate your time. No, good on you, boys. Have a good morning and uh, happy to chat anytime.